0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm speaking tonight, I'm speaking tonight on the message of simply the sacrifice of Shiloh. Or as some people call it, Shiley. S-H-A-L-A. I call it Shiloh because I'm from West Texas. But I want to talk about that tonight. It is the last of the old corn of Canaan. Several years ago, God gave this to me. In fact, 15 years ago, I ministered this message. And I want to minister it again tonight because it has burned in my spirit for this night to preach. I want to thank Pastor Brad for Sunday, Father's Day, and last Sunday and the Wednesday in between. He was phenomenal. I heard him, he was great. Amen. And I'm so proud that we have young men coming on, Pastor Philip, young men coming on that just absolutely love the gospel and love the house of God. I want to say something to you before I read the text. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. Now there was a certain man of Ramoth Am, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, listen to this introduction, and his name was Elkina, the son of Jeroram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu. That means this guy was a bad dude. The son of Zuth. He was an Ephratite from the tribe of Ephraim. He had wives, one named Hannah, the other Penina, and Panana had kids and Hannah didn't have any. And this man went up, Out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice under the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Before I start tonight, let me declare something why Shiloh was important to be a worship place. For three centuries, for three whole centuries, 300 years, the Ark of the Covenant dwelt in Shiloh. It was the place where God's presence was. It was the meeting place for all people to come at a particular time of the year, and they worshiped in Shiloh. So the presence of God. In fact, the Bible said, the Bible said that the, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver put between his feet until Shiloh come. That means when Jesus comes, he will be the representative of a moving, living Shiloh. The presence of God will be embedded and a part of the life of Jesus Christ. And so we have Shiloh introduced tonight. Turn to somebody say, I'm going to learn something tonight. You may be seated. In all my ministry, I've never preached about this man until I spoke about him several years ago. I've spoken of his wife, Hannah, her son, Samuel. I preached about Penina, elaborated on Eli, the priest, And I've talked about Hophni and Phinehas and how I've received times in my ministry, they were the sons of anarchy. But never this certain man, this man named Elkinah, his name means whom God has acquired, whom God has acquired. It's as if God is saying, I want him on my team. I don't want him to be anybody else's pick on their team." He's my draft pick. He's my first rounder. I want him on my side. He was a Kohathite Levite in the priestly lineage, in the lineage of Heman the singer. Yet he belonged to the tribe of Ephraim. Let me explain. The Kohathites lived around the house of God. You got to get this. They were part of the furniture movers. And their duty was the Ark of the Covenant They moved the holy Ark of the Covenant and the holy objects in the house. And they transferred God's presence and they transferred God's sacred furniture. That's a pretty good job to have in the house of God. The Levites were the ministers of the house of God. And Ephraim simply means fruitfulness. So here was a man who loved the ministry, loved God's house, and who was a blessed man. A blessed man who came to Shiloh to worship with his family. And what some people do not know was that Shiloh at this time was in shambles because Eli the priest had blurred vision. His sight was going away from him, literally. He needed to have his lenses fixed. And Hophni and Phinehas were sons of anarchy. They were charlatans. 1 Samuel chapter 1 said the sins of the young men were very great before the Lord for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. There was sin in Shiloh and they were taking the pure daughters of families and literally making harlots out of them. In fact, when they carried the Ark of the Covenant to battle against the Philistines, it was captured by the Philistines. And that's where we first hear the word Ichabod. The glory has departed. It is gone from us. Something that had never happened previously and never happened again. It is as if if God was saying, I'd rather be, though, with someone who did not know about me, but at least respected my glory, than to be with people who would profane my presence. That's what God is saying. The lamp of the Lord, the Bible said, was extinguishing slowly. Slowly. In fact, God called Samuel this lad in the house of Eli before the lamp of the Lord went out. The priest's sons were profane. The priest was blind to sin and Shiloh was a gory mess. And yet, and yet, here comes a man that the Lord had acquired and he worships God. He worships God. He worships God in the turmoil. He worships God in the sin of the assembly. He worships God while surrounded by profaneness. He worships God when a priest that does not know how to correct his family. He worships God with perverted leadership. He worships God with sin in the congregation. He worships God when things are not right at home. He worships God when it's more vogue to see what's wrong in church than to worship there. He came to worship and worship he did. I think you ought to clap your hands right now because we're not talking about this in this house. But what I'm trying to tell you is that worship is so powerful. It does not matter what surroundings you have. It doesn't matter what circumstances you have. Worship still gets through to God. And that man made the front page of the Bible. Hallelujah. This word certain carries two connotations Now, if you're going to sit on me, you go ahead, but if you're going to help me, I need a little bark back every now and then. I don't care either way. I'm going to preach whether you like me or not tonight (laughs) or mad at me because I've been gone. One means, certain means definite or particular, a certain person, a certain person. The other is to know without a doubt, a settled situation. I am certain of what I know. That's a certain person. I'm certain what I know. The church is in need of people who are definite, and who are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens in our world, no matter what happens at the coming of Jesus Christ, no matter what happens when the Antichrist is almost ready to surface, no matter what happens out there, they will come in here and they will worship. They will worship. They will worship. No matter what's going on around them, no matter who's messing up, no matter what the headlines say, no matter what the newspaper says, no matter what the news says, no matter what the score is, no matter who has failed, no matter what the world's stance is, I'm coming to Shiloh because the presence of God is there and I'm going to worship God in Shiloh. See, Elkina lived by three principles. I'm going to talk about them tonight. The first was this, he lived above the sea level. That's not S-E-A, that's S-E-E. He lived above the sea level. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He refused to let what he saw and what was happening at Shiloh stop his worship. The Bible states that the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. See, I've witnessed... People that have told me, Pastor, I've seen too much in church and I can't worship. I've seen hypocrisies. I've seen people's shortcomings. I've even seen people sin against God. Too many problems, Pastor. There's too much hypocrisy. But one thing that rings in my ear the most, Pastor, I have seen people, good people, that have not been healed, that have not been delivered, that have not been set free. I have witnessed the good dying young, Pastor. I have seen cancers destroy lives. Last year, I saw COVID not be kind to our family. I've seen heart ailments that come to wonderful people. And death has taken away my loved ones. And these people are good people, Pastor. But they don't live above what I call the sea level. Everything they see brings negative. Everything they see takes away and stymies their worship. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3 and 51, my eye affected my heart. What I saw affected me. There was a young man that used to worship here. He was one of my finest young friends. I miss him, I love him, and I still love him to this day. He had a sister who was mentally challenged. And every service, this young man would come up to me and he would say, Pastor, would you pray for my sister? I want God to heal her of this mental problem. And she, for some reason, was never healed. And one day, one day, a kind man, not walking away mad, not walking away angry, he said, Pastor, I have seen enough of not enough. Let me remind you, folks, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It never has been and never will come by sight. It comes by hearing. Someone tell this pastor, keep on preaching to us, pastor. Keep on preaching to us. Hallelujah. Just because I may not see the miracle today, I'm gonna keep believing until it comes to pass in my life. But pastor, will you just keep preaching because I'll keep hearing the word of God. I'm sorry, this don't sound like a Bible study, but it will in a little bit. If you pastor will just keep preaching. Job said, my eye is dim by reason of sorrow. Sorrow affects our sight. It colors everything you look at. One man said, at best, "Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. If my eye be dim by reason of sorrow, then my eye must be clear by reason of joy. I want someone to open their eyes this summer and see a God that can still do anything. Debbie, Debbie Howard, in our office staff meeting just this week said it this way and I, it's in my words but this is how she said it. Pastor, she said I never, I never thought that I would be saying this but there was a few moments when Kelly got hit that I had, I had some doubt about what was going to happen. But she said he walked, Pastor, 79 steps today and he walked without a hoist and he walked without somebody somebody lifting him from the ceiling and said, Pastor, I'm gonna go on record and say, I will never doubt God again in my life because God still works the impossible. Can anybody worship in Shiloh? Can anybody worship in Shiloh? Anybody in the house say amen to that. And I'm just going to tell my wife online tonight, she's going to be well before she even thinks possible. It's going to happen. Jason, you're getting better every day too. I love you, Jason. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. Everything on earth is dictated by S-E-A level, sea level. If you live below it, you're in danger of constant flood, constant loss, constant fear, no natural drainage, no natural waste release. Everything has to be forced out if you live below sea level. But there's a natural cleansing when you live above S-E-A-C sea level. So it is with spiritual sea level. Remember the eyes affect your heart. So Elkina came to Shiloh saying, I don't understand everything that's going on here, but I, I didn't come to figure that out. So worshipers who come to Shiloh here, you may not understand everything that's going on in the world around you. I can't figure this world out, Pastor. I don't know what will happen in the political world tomorrow. I wish someone could handle the crisis situations of our world right now. And I wish the mores and the morals were like they were 50 years ago when it was Ozzie and Harriet and my three sons and leave it to Beaver. But irregardless, I came to worship tonight in Shiloh. Come on, clap your hands real big. Jesus said in the world... You will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Has anybody brought a sacrifice of worship to Shiloh tonight? Come on now. Come on now. The second principle Elkanah lived by was this. God is my only constant. Everybody say he's constant. (laughs) He ain't going away. Nothing absolute in this world but God. He's our constant. He is the rock of ages. If you want to know something about God, study rocks. James said, Ever good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light, in whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. Folks, there's not the least possibility that God will ever change. He's the same Yesterday, today, and forever, in the midst of a changing world where one can buy a computer today and it'll be obsolete tomorrow. That's right. We must have something constant. I went last summer to Yellowstone National Park and I saw a Yogi Bear. No, I didn't. But I saw some bears. An old Faithful in Yellowstone still erupts. You can set your clock to it. It's been erupting all these years. The faithful God made, oh, faithful. David said, God is faithful. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Jeremiah never had one convert, folks. He could never point to anyone and say, I won that man to the Lord. Hallelujah. But he said, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's not what you see, it's not anything that you see, it's knowing that God is your constant in your life. Wake up in the morning saying, you're my constant, come on. Wake up tomorrow and say, you're my everything. Wake up tomorrow and say, I know I've got one thing for me, God is still for me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? Franklin Delano Roosevelt during the Depression said there will be a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. I wasn't old enough to remember that. I wasn't even born. But I want to talk about one of my heroines today. A Shiro in our church in times past. Her name was simply Tink. Tink. Armitha Tink Deal. Sister Deal was the real deal. She worshipped in this church for a long time. She was in her 80s and I'll not tell you how many years in her 80s because she told me never to tell people how many years she was in her 80s because she probably still wouldn't like it even though she's in the grave today. She battled cancer and she won. For two years she battled cancer as an older woman and she won. Lost her hair, started wearing a wig, but not her faith. In all her chemo treatments, she never, never, never charged God or thought about leaving his plan for her life or thought about not being in church or thought about not lifting those sweet little hands and magnifying the Lord in the house. Finally, strokes took her, a series of many strokes, not cancer. She always brought a sacrifice of worship to her Shiloh. What America needs, Mr. Roosevelt, is not a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage, but it needs a tink in every church. It needs somebody that can battle cancer and still say hallelujah. It needs somebody that can take on series of strokes and still say bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, oh I feel like talking to you right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, let me talk about someone else. He was not 80 something, he was 20 something. It was 2003 and he went through what many of us would never have the courage or fortitude to go through, glioblastoma, cancer in his brain. And when it was discovered, it was stage four. It was the worst possible cancer possible. Four brain surgeries in three years the first here in Austin, three in Los Angeles at Cedar Sinai. And yet he finished college. He got his degree. He got a job teaching. But the greatest thing he ever did was when he would come to church with all those cuts on his head, His worship was never hampered. It was never stilted. It never was abolished. He never walked in here feeling sorry for himself. He worshiped till the day God took him. I can see him now, he was always over on my left, hands in the air, worship worship in his constant. My God is gonna be my God until I see that God. Mr. Roosevelt, America needs more than a chicken never pot in a car in every garage. It needs a tink and a Brandon in every church. The old and the young still sacrificing in Shiloh. I'm preaching my soul to you tonight. I'm giving my soul to you tonight. There's things that's gonna happen that you're not gonna understand in this last hour, but don't lose your worship. Don't lose your thanksgiving. Don't lose your hallelujah. Don't lose your thank you, Jesus. Don't identify with things out there. Identify with the constant that's with you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. What you believe is more important than what you have or who you are. And I close tonight. Not only, not only is, is this thing a beautiful thing, Not only that, but there are no alternatives. There are no alternatives. Elkina had no alternative. Everything in our world seems to have an alternate. In the Olympics, there's an alternate. Miss America has an alternate. There's alternate lifestyles, just a substitute for the real thing. Even the church world, there are alternate services, traditional, contemporary, jazz, solemn, Trying to find worship service that appease and appeal to the masses. But there is no substitute, no alternative for God. None. There's no other God beside me, he said. God is omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipresent. If he does not, if if he does not know another God, then there must not be another God. Hallelujah. John 4 said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Peter said, when Jesus asked, Will you also go away? He said in John 6, Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. David said in Psalms 137, If I preferred not Jerusalem above my chief joy, listen to this. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, and let my right hand forget its cunning. If I do not prefer Jerusalem above my chief joy, you know what he's saying? There should be nothing greater in your life than worshiping and loving Jesus Christ. Now, I enjoy golf. I don't mind telling you, I enjoy golf. I used to be decent, I'm not anymore, but I'm a better fellowshipper now than I ever was out there. I hadn't played in a long time because I got a bad right knee. I'm trying to get it fixed. I got a good doctor in the house trying to help me. And then I got some eye problems and when I hit a ball from here to that wall, I can't see it. But I'm fixing to have surgery and I'm gonna see y'all, I'm gonna be able to see y'all on the back row. Say, get your hands up and your hand." I like it a lot, but God has to be above that. If I prefer anything above Jerusalem, my chief joy. Many of you love to fish. Some love to hunt. Ladies love to shop. And we all, I think, love to eat. But we must consider God above our chief joy. God's gotta be above everything. Whatever brings joy in this world, God has gotta be one step above it. One of my favorite Broadway shows is The Fiddler on the Roof and Tevye had some daughters and they all got married outside of his wishes. Every one of them made him compromise. And finally he says in desperation, I cannot go against my raising hurt my people if I try to bend that far I will break then he said this statement but on the other hand on the other hand then he stops and says wait a minute there is no other hand there is no other God there's nothing greater in our life than the God we worship here on Wednesdays and Sundays let me declare to this church the sacrifice of worship there is no other hand If he's God on Sunday, he's God on Monday. If he's God in the good times, he's God in the bad times. If he's God when you're up, he'll also be God when you're down. If he's God when you're sick, he'll be God when you're well. If he's God when when you're healed, he's God when you're disabled because he is still God. I'm sorry I broke a little, forgive me tonight. Habakkuk said it this way, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive tree fail shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. Pretty bad day, isn't it? The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stale stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Why don't you take that and put that on your refrigerator? wake up in the morning and say I don't care what comes against me I don't care what walks into my world I will I will worship God what he's simply saying is this circumstances do not dictate my worship but my worship dictates my circumstances so in essence he's saying hallelujah anyhow that's what it means say it with me hallelujah hallelujah Anyhow, you know Manasseh and Ephraim were brothers. I'm closing. One means forgetting, Manasseh means he's caused me to forget the pain of my past. Ephraim means fruitfulness. But when Jacob blessed them, Joseph held those boys out like this. And he held Manasseh the firstborn in his right hand. And he held the other boy in his in his left hand. I mean he held, pardon me, he held Manasseh in his left hand for the father to put his hand on his head, the right hand on his head. And he put the second barn boy in his right hand. So the father would put his left hand on him, but the father messed him up. Jacob crossed his hands and he blessed fruitfulness over forgetting. He blessed fruitfulness over forgetting. What he's saying is simply this, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless your fruitfulness, be fruitful because I will cause you to forget the pain when you are fruitful. In other words, when you come in here and you act like you want to be here and you're here magnifying the name of the Lord, I will cross my hands. I'll know you need to forget some things, but the way to forget them is to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Be here, be a worshiper, love God, care about the kingdom. That's how you forget the things of the past, that's how you walk away from your yesterdays, is being fruitful in the kingdom of God <laughs> Naaman went to the prophet and the prophet said go dip in the Jordan River Naaman didn't want that river, he wanted either the far par or the Abana one means go; the other means descending, but he had to go by the word, let me tell you something, if a man of God ever speaks a word into your life, you need to go with it do not look for a substitute. The Jordan River is where you're gonna get your cleansing. No substitute. The healing was in the Jordan. The substitute would refresh, but there was no healing there, only at the Jordan. So if you're here tonight, I don't want you to leave to just feel good. I want you to leave clean and healed. But you you have come to sacrifice at Shiloh. And our sacrifice is our worship. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Just stand to your feet, and I want you to lift your hands in the air. Amen. As long as there's wind in my body and there's gust in my sails, this church will be a church that magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. No, we're not gonna be stupid about it. We're not gonna be goofy about it, but we will magnify the Lord in this house. Amen. You know what this is? This is a precursor to when we all get to heaven. going to cast our, our crowns to his feet. We're going to say hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen. We're going to praise him through the ceaseless ages of eternity. And you know what? you got to get a little practice in at church on Sundays and Wednesdays. So lift your hands all over the house. Open your mouth and let's bless the Lord right now. Let's ask him to touch us because we've come to where his presence is. And we're going to magnify him right now for about three minutes. Come on, lift your hands all over the house. All over the house. All over the house. All over the house, lift your hands and magnify. Lift your hands and magnify them.